If you turn with me in your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to start out in 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthians, to the church there in Corinth. Today I want to talk to you about your weakness, or for some of you, your weakness is. Okay, all of us, we've probably all got more than one. But I want to talk to you about your weakness, about your weaknesses. And I know if you remember, if you were here last week or if you heard the message, um, we told you to, we talked about the stretch, about stretching your thinking and about stretching your weakness out to Jesus like the man did with a withered hand. And, uh, and that's when he saw the miracle. But I don't feel like we're done with your weakness part. So I had some more stuff I wanted to go into last week. And, and God's been showing me some stuff. And I think I'm probably going to say something to you that you've probably never heard from a preacher. So bear with me. It's going to be good. What is your greatest weakness? Don't yell it out. Now I'm going to name off some major weaknesses and raise your hand if it's something you deal with. All right, this will be fun. No, no, just kidding. We're not going to do that. You could do this survey in your head. What's your greatest weakness? And then I want you to ask yourself, what's your greatest strength? You have a strength. You have some gifts. We're going to look at some Bible verses that, that tell us that and back that up. But if you're alive and breathing and you're a human, you have some things that you're good at and you have some things that you're not too good at. Strengths and weaknesses. Gifts. So what is it? What are you good at? You know it's not a sin to be weak. That's not a sin. A weakness is not a sin. Keep that in mind. Let's read 2 Corinthians. Look what Paul had to say. Uh, chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be... And lest I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn. Well, that sounds like a great gift. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. To Paul the Apostle? Yeah. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is a great guy, the greatest. Uh, some people argue that he's the greatest leadership guy out there. He wrote all these letters to the churches, and he was given a gift of a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan sent to buffet, that's like to spar with me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know what that means? Paul said, so that I wouldn't be prideful. God sent this, this thorn in my flesh, this weakness, and 
And, you know, we're not told what the weakness is. And there's all kind of argument. Different scholars think different things. And, and I think that was on purpose so that we didn't get hung up on whatever his weakness was and whether it was a handicap or whether some people think it was a physical thing, some people think it was a sin issue, some people think it was a problem with the church or whatever. But he just said a thorn. Why? So that I wouldn't get prideful. It would keep me humble. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Three times he prayed and asked God that it might depart from me. God, take it away. God, it's a weakness. God, it's a thorn. God, it's a problem. Man, if I could get rid of this one weakness, if I could get rid of this thorn, then I could be great. I could be perfect. He begged God three times, take it away. You know what God said to him? He said to me, my grace is sufficient. Now, I found this to be really cool. You know what sufficient means? Sufficient means adequate for the purpose. My grace is adequate for your purpose. That's what God was saying to Paul. My grace is adequate for your purpose. You know what adequate means? Just the right amount. So, so what God was saying back to Paul when Paul said, I got a problem, I have a flaw, I have a handicap, I have this thorn, I have this weakness. God said, my grace is just the right amount for your purpose. I gave you just enough grace to get you from where you are to where you need to be. God said, take it easy. I know you had a thorn. And I gave you just enough grace. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes we pray and don't get what we want. But we get grace. Paul prayed three times and did not get what he was asking for. I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty thankful when I look back over my life. I'm pretty thankful for some of my prayers that didn't get answered. When I look back and think, boy, that was dumb. Thank you, God, for not giving me what I was asking for. Either I wasn't ready for it or I didn't, from, you know, where I was on the, that stage of the journey, I just didn't know. I'm thankful for a lot of prayers that didn't get answered because I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't be standing here bringing you this message, right? I mean, if we're being real, if God answered every prayer. So God doesn't answer every prayer, but He gives you grace for your purpose. And there's enough grace that will empower you as long as you are chasing your purpose. He gives you the grace for the moment. Why? I don't always know why. <laughs> I got a lot of prayers I pray, and sometimes they don't get answered. Definitely, a lot of times, not in the moment. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I can look back on them and see God's hand working, but a lot of times I don't know. And for a long time, I. 
especially when I became a pastor, I didn't want to tell people, I don't know. But I found out the number one question that people like to ask pastors is why? (laughs) Ever since I've been pastoring, that's the main thing y'all ask me. Why this? Why that? Why did God let this happen? Why is the president doing this? Why did my kid go crazy? Why did my wife leave me? Why did everybody? Everybody wants to ask why, why, why? And it was such almost like bondage to me because I felt like I'm not supposed to have the right answer for everything. It was the most freeing thing in the world. It's probably been several years back now when when I realized it was one of the most powerful things that I've learned up to this point that it's okay to look at people and say I don't know why but I'm going to walk through it with you sometimes I don't know why but God gives you the grace in the moment and he surrounds you with people that can walk through it with you and we'll know one day we'll, we'll realize 125 times the word grace is found in the Bible. But there are four different kinds of grace. And it's all just translated grace in our Bible. But those 125 times, there's, there's four different kinds of grace that are mentioned. Um, the first one is... Um, It's talked about in Ephesians 3 and several different places. Um, And it's a saving grace. It speaks of the grace that saved us. It's our salvation. It's what was bought with Jesus' blood on the cross. It's it's that saving grace. It's why we have life and not death. Um, So that's the first one. The second one that's talked about in Scripture is a justifying grace. And the easiest way to explain that one is like it's, it covers your sin and it's justifying or just as if I had never sinned is what that kind of grace is. It's like it makes things right. It restores. Um, the third kind of grace is a teaching grace. This one's used several times in like Timothy where Paul is teaching his son in the faith, Timothy, the young pastor. and It's a teaching grace. It, it grows us up. That grace doesn't allow us to stay immature. It's like pushing us to grow and learn and mature. And then the fourth one, and that's the one that was used here to Paul, where it says, my grace is sufficient. That's the fourth one. And it is an enabling grace or an empowering grace. It is God's grace that gives you the power to do what he's asked you to do. Meaning you don't have to have the strength or have it all figured out. You're just required to obey. And His grace enables you. His grace gives you the power if you will step in obedience. My grace is enough. He said, my grace is adequate for your purpose. My grace is sufficient. You know, if you need to get across a, a big mud pit and I say to you, my truck is sufficient. Here's the keys. Like it'll get across that mud pit. It's kind of what's going on here. God's saying to Paul, hey, Paul, you're getting muddy. My grace is sufficient to get you across that. But guess what? 
you got to get in my truck, turn on the four-wheel drive, crank it up, and push the gas. Then you can get across that mud pit. But you got to quit standing there complaining about being muddy when you've not stepped in the truck. God's given you the empowerment to get across the mud pit. But you still got to get in the truck. Or you're still going to be muddy. And you're going to say things like, because of Dusty's truck, I can get through the mud. Because of grace, I can do whatever I want. Why am I still getting muddy? How do we activate that grace? Like if we want to see greatness and we want to realize the giftings and the callings that God has on our life and and we want that empowering grace to fulfill our ultimate purpose and be the people we're supposed to be. Well, we just found out God's not going to take away all our weaknesses. That's not how we're going to become great. It's about getting rid of every flaw we have. So we need His grace. How are we going to do that? Well, first of all, you need to admit that you have a weakness. Right? Like, you're never going to fix something you don't admit is a problem. We all know that. You're, you need to admit that you have a weakness. Think about it. Hey, this is a weakness in my life. You know the guy that thinks he's good at everything? Don't look around. They're going to think you're staring at them. But you know who I'm talking about. They think they're good at everything, and they never get better at anything. Right? You're not growing or learning. You're not getting better at anything. Why? Because you think you already know everything. You're not looking to learn or grow or be mentored or taught or because you think you got it all. You think you know everything, so you'll never get better at anything. Remember when, when God called Moses to go to Pharaoh? And it was a pretty big call, but get all the children of Israel set free from slavery. And Moses all of a sudden, let me re-say that. Automatically, Moses starts telling why he can't. Hey, God, I can't speak. I have a slow tongue. I have a speech impediment. God's saying, I need you to go do this. And Moses is pointing out a weakness. Moses is pointing out a thorn. I can't be great because weakness... I can't be great because, and Moses is pointing at the weakness. And you know what God said? Aaron will talk for you. I didn't ask you to be a great speaker. I asked you to go to Pharaoh. How many times in your life do you use your thorns as an excuse to disobey or to be average or complacent a weakness and we point at it I think that's great that God didn't say don't worry about it I can do miracles we're going to put you in the Holy Spirit speech therapy 
No. Notice what God said. I'm going to force you to be in relationship with other people and to learn that you don't have to do it all. In fact, I don't want you to do everything. I want you to need people. Aaron will go with you. In my weakness, his strength is perfected. Guess what? In Moses' weakness, Aaron's strength was perfected. Aaron got to speak to Pharaoh and speak God's word. So stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing your journey to someone else's journey. Oh, I bet their marriage is perfect. Wish I had a marriage like them. Because of what you see on the surface, I bet their kids have never even been demon-possessed like mine. <laughs> Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. You. <laughs> you don't get grace for someone else's race. God didn't give you grace to raise my three boys. He gave me grace to raise those boys. Don't start comparing your marriage to somebody else's marriage or your kids to somebody else's kids or your gifts to somebody else's gifts or your flaws to somebody else's flaws. Or, mm -mm. Admit you have a weakness, but don't get caught in that trap of comparing it to somebody else's. And Oh, well, he's worse than me because his weakness is, it stinks and it's ugly and mine's just ugly. Like, it's funny, but we do it. We all do it. Like, well, man, I'm glad I do have a thorn, and it hurts pretty bad, but at least it's not infected like Zach's. Right? I don't know why I said Zach's. Sorry, no, no offense. I just <laughs> Don't compare it. God doesn't <laughs> give you the grace for somebody else's race. God's grace is just the right amount for my purpose. Remember when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray? He said, give us this day our daily bread. You know what that means? Give me today what I need today. God doesn't give me grace today for tomorrow's problems. That's why Jesus also taught us not to worry about tomorrow. Because then I'm borrowing worry and fear and dread from tomorrow and I don't have the grace to deal with that so guess what I'll have anxiety I'll have depression I'll I'll have all kinds of mental issues I, I don't have grace and I don't have peace for that I don't have the grace for well you get the point let's let's move on There's not grace for fake. That's why it's so exhausting. Being a fake person, putting on a Christian mask or trying to do what you think people around you think you should do and cover up your thorns and put on the gift that looks like you should have thing is God only gives you grace enough grace just enough grace for your purpose God doesn't give you grace for fake so you can lie and you can be a fake but 
it's so exhausting. It will wear you out because you don't have the grace for fake. I've found that success isn't a very good teacher, but failure will preach. And I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about me. The times where I've had great success, I didn't learn a whole lot. It was fun. <laughs> it's great. And I'd like to have it a lot. But it's in my failures where I've learned the most. It's in my failures where I've learned to rely on Him and to go after something greater because I know there's something greater. There's a gift inside of me that was not meant to fail. And it's out of my failures have come my greatest victories. In my weakness or from my weakness comes my greatest strength. So you have a thorn. You have a weakness. But you also have a gift. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. First Peter 4.10. Think about who wrote this. Peter, big mouth, disciple. He messed up a bunch. We saw him mess up a lot, but he did some really cool things too. He was the first one to like, he heard the voice of God. And he did some cool things, but he had some major, major mistakes too. As every man hath received the gift. Wait, every man. Notice that? Sorry, ladies. <laughs> that means mankind, all humans. Everyone hath received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another. What's he saying? Everybody's received a gift. You all have a gift inside of you. You all have a purpose. You all have a gift. And what he's saying is, use it to... Use it to serve people. That's what it was put there for. That's what it was meant for. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The grace that you need for your gift. Back to Paul. I don't know if you know this or not because Paul gets talked pretty highly about and Paul wrote all these letters and Paul's our great instructor to the church. But if you do a little bit of research and a little bit of reading, you can find out pretty quickly that Paul was not a good preacher. He wasn't a good speaker. And people didn't really even like to hear him talk. There's some spots in Scripture where Paul's getting insulted and having to defend himself. Well, I, I, and, and at the same time Paul was around, there was this other guy. His name was Apollos, who was an awesome preacher. And he was drawing crowds and people would come from all around to hear him preach. And he was preaching the gospel and preaching good. And people just loved him. They loved to hear what he had to say. And he was just an awesome preacher. 
right? Paul would finally, you know, he'd get a mic in his hand and Luke's recording in Acts one time that Paul, Luke's writing it down and he said, and Paul started preaching and he preached all night long. That's what Luke said. Until this kid finally fell asleep and fell out of a window and died. It's real. That happened. Like he was such a bad preacher that somebody fell asleep and died. Know what he did? Did he get the hint and close? No. Did he call up the keyboard player and end this thing out with an altar call? No. Prayed for the dude, rose him from the dead, kept preaching till the sun came up. Right? <laughs> like <laughs> Paul wasn't a very good preacher. But guess what? He was a dang good writer. God used him to write these things that today, even now, 2021, God is speaking through the things that he wrote down. So what if he focused all his time on his weakness, that I'm not a good speaker, and started learning how to tell stories better and, and get some good Jewish jokes that he could mix in there, depending on the crowd, and some good, some good Gentile slang, and, and tried to become a better communicator, and he spent his whole life focusing on becoming a better preacher. Could he have become a better preacher? Yeah, probably. Could have brought himself up from a... You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, he could have brought himself up from a, probably a 3 to a 5 and been a mediocre preacher. Anybody know anything that Apollos preached about? The good preacher. I don't. Here a few thousand years later, nobody knows his sermons, but guess what? We know a lot of stuff that Paul had to say. Because the gift that was on the inside of him was to write letters to the churches and to raise up churches and to plant churches and to and so he quit focusing on the weaknesses and the thorns and he focused on the gift what he was called to do um, talking about that subject Stephen Furtick says if Paul would have preached like Apollos he would have never written like Paul. The same's true for you. If you spend your whole life trying to preach a message just like Dusty does, Lord help you. But then you're never going to do what it is that you're supposed to do. And if I spend all my time trying to do something like I could name any one of you does, then I'm wasting my time and I'm a fake. Right? I'm not using the gift. So I'm trying to look like somebody else. Look at Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Your gift. Now, we just talked about it. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got something they're good at. Don't discredit your gift. Don't compare your gift to somebody else's gift. If you're good at frying chicken, then fry the heck out of chicken. Oh, there's millionaires that fry chicken. Kentucky Fried Chicken and Popeyes and like there do what you do. 
your gift will make room for you. Well, my gift is to sing. Really? Can you sing? I mean, that's a real easy one to pick on because some people can and some people can't. Some people are born with the gift to sing and some people are not. Well, yeah, I sing at the church. Okay, I ask you again. Can you sing? <laughs> I know there's all kind of Bible verses that we use in church to get past uh, giftings. Make a joyful noise, brother. Right. And I believe that we are all supposed to sing to God and make a joyful noise. But is that your gifting? Right? If you went to American Idol, would they say you have a gift to sing? Or is that just good for the church class? And if you're not gifted to sing, my Uncle Patrick's got a lot of giftings and a lot of things that he's really good at, but singing is not one. So imagine with me for a minute if Patrick dedicated his whole entire life to winning American Idol. He would live and die probably as a failure because that's not what God gifted him to do. And so many people live their lives and they die thinking, oh, I'm a failure. I never changed the world. I never did anything big for God. I, I never, all I did was just lived and died and everything I tried to do never worked out. It's because you were trying to do something you were never gifted to do. You were trying to go somewhere that God never called you to go and you don't have the grace to go there. Carrie Underwood had the grace to win American Idol. Not Patrick. Why? Because his purpose is, is something different. Patrick has just the right amount of grace to do what God's called him to do. And it's equally as big. It has just as much power to change the world as a great singer. But we can't get caught up on our weaknesses. We can't get caught up on trying to look like somebody else or do it how somebody else did it because God called us individually. First Timothy 4.14, you don't have to turn there, but it's where Paul tells Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in you. Paul's telling Timothy, the son, his son in the faith, don't neglect the gift. Neglect, you know what that means? Fail to care for properly. Not pay proper attention to. Disregard. Fail to focus on. Don't. Paul's telling Timothy, hey, don't neglect the gift. Don't fail to give your gift proper attention. Like, figure out what God's placed on the inside of you. What are you good at? What is it? And then, don't fail to give it attention. Don't neglect it. Don't let it just fall by the wayside or die. Or, you know, maybe if I get a chance, one day I'll share my gift with the world. Paul's telling Timothy, no, focus on the gift. Share the gift with the people around you. Share the gift with the people at your work. Share the gift. Find a way to give away your gift. What are you good at? Now, how could your gift 
help humanity. That's when you start to find your purpose, meaning, fulfillment. Don't neglect the gift. Millions of people fail to care for or don't pay proper attention to the gift that is in them. They pay attention to and focus on the things that they are not good at. Think about it. You know it's true. If your kid comes home with a report card and they got an A in science and a D in math, what do we do? We get them a math tutor. We're going to focus on the thing that they're not gifted at, the thing that they're not good at rather than getting them put in some advanced science classes. Hey, that's what he's good at. Let's focus on the gift. He ain't that good at math. Okay, well, that X is out a lot of wasted doors. We know what he's not going to be. Let's focus on what he's gifted at. You see what I'm saying? Like we, It's in us, and even I think even more so as Americans, to like focus on the thing that we're bad at and try to make that good. But by doing that, we don't focus on the thing that we're gifted at, so we just become a good, solid, mediocre person. And we never realize our greatness. It's okay if you're not good at math. Whew, thank God. <laughs> I like... Like, it's okay if there are things in your life that you're not... And I'm not saying be lazy and don't work and don't do the things that you need to do and not, like... But I'm saying if we spend too much time focusing on our thorns, focusing on our weakness instead of the gift that's inside of us, instead of our purpose, then we'll never realize all that God has for us. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? Stop working on your weaknesses. See, that's what I told you. I was going to tell you that pastors probably never told you. Stop working on your weakness. You're wasting time working on things that you are not gifted to do. That's why it's a weakness. You aren't supposed to be doing it. I can't think of a bigger waste of time. Trying to get better at something I'm not supposed to do or gifted to do. If I spend my whole life trying to be Jesse, I'll be a failure and a fake. I, I can never be her. But if she spends her whole life trying to be me, <laughs> ain't happening. <laughs> She can't even come close. <laughs> She's not gifted to be me. I can think of a lot of different ways. Whew. If you're doing what you're gifted to do, it's fun. As you can tell. We're not both called to be. Me and Jesse, we're married and we're a team. And, and it's my closest relationship. But we're not both called to be hammers. It wouldn't do any good. Yeah, it might be good for tearing some stuff down, but you can't build too much with two hammers. But if she's the hammer and she's the driving force behind me, then let me be the nail. 
that will pierce whatever is in front of us and not to destroy but to hold stuff together and to build the future. And as we work together in relationship, that's how it's designed. But if I'm a nail and I'm just focusing on the fact that I'm not good at hammering stuff, I'm never going to get very good at hammering stuff. I'm just not going to be holding stuff together because I'm focusing on what I'm not good at. Let's figure out what we're gifted at and focus on that. Let's figure out what each other's gifted at and shine a light on it. Focus on that. Hey, every time you walk up, don't start talking to me about your thorn. Don't start trying to shift my focus and yours to your thorns and other people's thorns. Let's, let's shift our focus to each other's gifts. What we can do to change the world. What we can do to love better and to give more and to, to serve people. Focus on the great. I read this this week. Um, Dr. Miles Monroe wrote a whole paper. I'm just going to read you a little part of it. Um, it says, Alexander Graham Bell believed that sound could be converted into electrical impulse and transmitted by wire. No one remembers those who thought he was crazy, and there were lots of them. We remember only the man who had the vision and created the telephone. We don't remember his failures. We don't remember the people that thought he was crazy. We don't remember, we don't know what he was bad at. But we know he created the telephone. He goes on to write, if you do things in a halfway manner, you can always find a job somewhere. Yet, if you do just enough to get by, you are going to remain simply an employee and live a mediocre life. However, if you decide that you are going to find something that is truly yours, then you will fulfill your vision and you will be remembered by others. Do you know if you are gifted, and you are, I think we already cleared that up. They've done a bunch of, there's a bunch of studies that have been done on this. And I did a little research. And they say if you are gifted at something and you do nothing, you'll be in the top 50%. As humans, we're born good at stuff. So there's something that you're good at that you were just born with a talent or you've come up with this talent and you're in the top 50%, you don't even have to try. Like you can do something pretty good. I mean, in the top 50%, average, above average. But if you are gifted at something and you do something, you'll be in the top 10%, meaning you do something to help with that gifting. Uh, if you're gifted and talented to play baseball, 
cool. You were born with that talent. You could be in the top 50%. But if you will practice and work on it, you can be in the top 10% just because you were born gifted and you chose to work on it. But if you are gifted at something and you do everything that you can do to realize that greatness, to get better at that, all of your focus goes to that one thing. You work on it. You don't let other things distract you. You don't get distracted by the things that are bad. You do everything that you can do to be good at what you were born gifted with. And you will be in the top 1% in the world. This is how they explain great athletes. These are the ones that were born gifted because guess what? There's a whole lot of people that are gifted at sports that never go pro. Right? There's people playing basketball games that are every bit as talented playing out in cul-de-sacs and neighborhoods that are as talented as NBA players, but they just relied on whatever talent they were born with and they never did everything that they could do. Right? Or they never focused on the gift. And even as I'm talking, you might be thinking about different people in your life. If you want to be the best, you don't take shortcuts. You ever heard that? So many times, gifted people don't put in the work because it comes so easy or naturally. They know they can make the team without extra workouts. And these are the people in your life, I've had several in my life, and I know you probably do too, that you would say, my God, he's so talented if he could just get it together. My God, she's got so many giftings if she just had some discipline. Right? If they, if they could just stay sober, they're so talented. Yeah, they're in the top 50% just because of the talent they were born with in whatever area you're talking about. They were just disciplined, steady. I'm sure Jesus would have loved to take some shortcuts in his purpose and calling. Remember, he asked God, is there another way? Any other way. Like, this is my purpose. This is what you've given me sufficient grace to do. I don't want to do it. Jesus would have liked to take some shortcuts. But if he did, neither our greatness or his could have been realized if he took shortcuts. Now, on the flip side, in your weakness, or as we're talking about it right now, the things that you're not good at, the areas where you're not gifted, I'm going to go ahead and give you permission. Take shortcuts. Right? It's okay. I know you, you may be surprised to hear that. You can take shortcuts. You're not gifted. You're not good at it. So hire somebody to do it. You're not a mechanic. Quit working on your car. 
Pay somebody to do it. That's gifted in that area. Admit you have a weakness. That's it. You're not a mechanic. Quit putting motors in that car. Like you're going to spend your whole life stuck on a weakness. You focus on what you're good at. And take some shortcuts on the things that you're not good at. Instead of trying to become a good mechanic, take a shortcut. Pay somebody to get your car running so that you can drive that car to what you're gifted at. This is how you become great. And you leave the pack. You focus on your giftings. And you leave your weakness behind. Take shortcuts where your weakness is concerned. It's okay. Let somebody else do it. Don't try to do things that you were not created to do. Stop working on your weakness. And just a little disclaimer here. When I say stop working on your weakness, I'm not talking about an immoral or a sin issue. As Christians, we should all work on sin and immoral issues. We're all, I'm not talking about that. Well, Pastor Dusty said don't work on my weakness, so I'm going to do whatever. No, I'm not talking about sin or an uh, immoral issue. And I'm not talking about fruit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace patience the fruit of the spirit as Christians we're all supposed to have the fruit so don't take this message and say yep love is just my weakness so I don't love and Pastor Dusty said don't focus on it because it's a weakness I hate everybody now the fruit of the spirit is love so if the spirit is in you you have the fruit that's not a weakness that's a discipline issue. You don't have patience. You don't, that's not a weakness. So I'm not talking about sin and I'm not talking about fruit. Okay? Just so we're clear. This is not a license. All right, let's wrap it up. I'm going to read you 2 Corinthians 12, 7. This is the same scripture that we read to start out the message, but I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. And it words it really cool now that we've talked about all this that we've, we've talked about. Listen how it, how it words it. Starting in verse 7. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap. Thank you, Jesus. I threw in the thank you, Jesus. To keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. But what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think it was a gift. And I begged God to remove it. Three times I did. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. I quit worrying about the weakness. My grace is enough. Keep moving forward. Focus on the gift. Stop crying about these thorns. Let's go. 
you've got grace to keep moving forward into your purpose. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Now look what Paul did. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap. There it is. He quit focusing on the weakness. He quit looking at the weakness and talking about the weakness and telling everybody about the weakness and begging God to get rid of the weakness and talk. He said, I quit focusing on the handicap. And I began, what? Appreciating the gift. You know what? Yeah, I have a weakness. Yeah, I have a thorn. Yeah, I have some stuff I'm not good at. I have. But I'm going to appreciate the gift rather than focus on the weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. What does that mean? It's working for me. God takes anything I go through, any abuse or pain, or accidents, opposition, even, even bad breaks. And He's working it for me. The weaker I get, the stronger He becomes. I just keep focusing on the gift. And keep walking in my purpose. Last scripture, 1 Timothy 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir. Stir. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And that word stir, you know what it means? To fan a flame. To rekindle. To stir up. I stir up the gift. To stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of hands for God hath not given us a spirit of fear or timidity but of power love and of a sound mind a right mind stir up the gift because God's not given us fear Paul's telling him we stir it up it's something that we do. Focus on the gift. I've got this beautiful rose here. And I was thinking, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier in the message, we talked a little bit about, about pride and, and how Paul was telling us that God gives us these thorns so that we don't walk in pride. We don't start thinking we're better than everybody else because we need people and we need each other. And, and when I look at this rose, it really makes me think of you 
me and, and the growth and the beauty that the work that God's doing in us you know, and as we're connected in the seeds and there's so much language in the scripture that makes us think of growth when we look at this rose but guess what it has thorns on it it has these these thorns and they're painful and you can't you can't mess with it and you can't why does it have thorns if you look up why a rose has thorns and why a rose is thought to be such a beautiful and valuable flower it has thorns to protect it from predators it has thorns so goats don't eat the growth the life so stuff doesn't lay on it and smush it like they do the daffodils the thorns actually protect the growth you see the thorns protect the life so why does this beautiful thing have thorns it's to protect it I believe God gives us thorns that protect us from the predator of pride. Because pride will kill the growth. Pride says, I can do it on my own. Pride says, I don't need the church. I don't need the body. I don't need the tithe because I can pay my own bill. I don't need the, you fill in the blank. Pride says, I can do it on my own. And it stops the growth. But thorns stop the predator of pride. Thorns are weaknesses that strengthen us. And that, when you say that, it's like, so. You're telling me that thorns are weaknesses that strengthen us. That's a paradox. Well, welcome to the kingdom of God. That's the gospel. You've heard all the little sayings, the only way up is down. And, right? If you want to be great in God's kingdom, Jesus said, then learn to be a servant of all. If you want to be rich, then give it all away. It's a paradox. And in my weakness, his strength, his growth, his life is perfected. And I know I need people. Because I can't do it all. And I need you and you need me to be what we're called to be. To walk out our purpose to change the world we need each other let's pray hey God we're going to quit working on our weaknesses and we're going to focus on the gift We know that that makes us grateful. 
Focusing on weaknesses puts us in a bad place mentally, physically, spiritually. But but I feel like today our eyes have been opened. I feel like today that you told me that someone was going to hear this message and it would change everything. And that their life would never be the same. God, I pray that each one of us could grasp something from this message. That we would focus on the gift. God, thank you that you've called every single one of us and that you gave us all a gift. You've given us all things that we're good at. Help us to use it to advance your kingdom. Help us to use it to love people. And help every one of us to be fruit bearers. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.